Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. In by Kulisevsky. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Bonsoir, Windy. And our tactics guy, and a man who apparently watched the England game with Sir Keir Starmer. It's Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fucking hell. It, it truly is me <laughs> in that Proper doppelganger. Like, the thing, okay, here's the thing. I spent the majority of my life as like a fat guy with long hair. And so as a result, I've, I've been told I look like Jack Black and I don't. And I've been told I look like Meatloaf and I don't, right? So I've become very numb <laughs> to you look like this guy. But that guy has my face. That guy has, has stolen my face, put a terrible beard on it with a neckline mm. way, way too high. Um, a tacky gold watch and a 3,000 quid shirt to watch the football with Keir Starmer pretending to be a lad. I uh it gives it gives me like real uncanny valley <laughs> vibes looking at it it makes me it makes me unwell I I think he definitely looks like you but <laughs> yeah. an uglier version of you Nathan like I think yeah I think like yeah. you you're doing yourself a disservice a little like he's slightly less attractive than you and like obviously you wouldn't be watching the game with Keir Starmer um <laughs> <laughs> that's true did you get many ats no, no, no. It was, so it's someone I can't remember who's sorry. Someone brought it up in the Discord, um, um, and then I and then I, I I tweeted it myself because it was just getting overwhelming getting how much he looks like. Yeah. Um, little shout out to David Forrest who sent us a truly delightful email about how much he enjoys the pods. Um, so thank you, David. We really appreciate you doing that and taking time. Very lovely to hear from you. Uh, let's talk a little about England Senegal and we won't stretch it out because I know it's probably quite painful for Bardi <laughs> uh, but a really kind of comprehensive win comprehensive performance I thought um, the added intrigue of a Spurs player coming off of Senegal who we've not seen much of Pat Matassar uh, who just seemed to want to <laughs> score every time he had the ball um, uh, I mean Bardi let's get your perspective first what did you think of England's performance I mean I thought England were pretty bad for 38 to 39 minutes of this game. I thought Senegal had a 
had England's number really just make them pass to Harry Maguire and pick it up the mistakes from there. So I thought Senegal being pretty smart, but then the moment England scored, I was I was worried for them. I said I said to everyone I was watching it with that they needed half time to come quickly because they needed to regroup. Otherwise, England were always going to run through them, and that's kind of what happened. England at the end just had bigger guns than um, than Senegal, and they they won the game. I I was really kind of disappointed in how Senegal just were pretty flat after the first goal, and even in the second half they had nothing to lose. They could have just gone for it, but I just don't think they were able to uh, technically or, or mentally go for go for England. So in the end, it was it was pretty pretty easy for England. I was surprised Kane played the whole ninety minutes. I thought that was a bit of a strange decision, but it's not as if he was really stretching himself. It it was a good second round game for England. And to be honest with you, most of the second round games have have kind of gone to form. I don't think there's there's really been a shock yet. A nice summary, I think, Vardy. Um, Nathan, anything you'd, you'd add? I mean, this was basically the Jude Bellingham game, wasn't it? Yeah, he was He was outstanding. Um, he is outstanding and he's 19 and is kind of absurd. And um, I'm worried about him returning mm. to the Premier League because realistically he's not going to Spurs. Um, yeah. Senegal came out with a, like a really well-prepared press, um, which we kind of seen from them before, so we can't be too shocked. But it definitely made the uh, like there weren't many shots in the first half for either team. Um, a very sort of gritty game in that sense, a bit nervy at both ends. Um, England sort of eventually broke the press a couple of times and basically scored off the first few chances they had. And uh, after that point, were able to sort of run through Senegal. Like you said, I think Senegal kind of collapsed under because they were doing their pressing game, committing to it really well, doing well, and then sort of unlucky to concede. And that takes a lot of the um, the wind from your sails, right? And I think that they continue to try to push and um, and got undone doing so that way because uh, they had to try to find a way back into the game, right? Um, so pretty smart performance from England, I guess you can say. I think I think so. Southgate gets a lot of criticism, but I have been thinking a bit about him. All the mo- everything I do at the moment is thinking about England in this World Cup. It's 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 take it's consumed <laughs> me, and I don't think I can enjoy this World Cup and, until it's over. Until there's some kind of answer, so some something's happened. Either England have won it and just get on with it, and it's done and dusted, or England are out, and then I can start to think about something else. But I do think Southgate gets a lot of criticism, which is which is fair. But he also does deserve some recognition in how he's been able to. to to get this England team through games like this, which perhaps mm. before they would have got stuck in. Um, he He's his own man. And I, I quite admire that in him, that he he's not forced to play the favourites. He doesn't play Grealish, who is everybody's darling. And mm-hmm. he just puts him on the bench. He's got a midfield three that he's now settled on. And he's not, He's not playing England's best player from last year. England's player of the year was Phillips and he hasn't he hasn't pushed him in. He's dropped Mount, he's put Henderson in, and he's been kind of smart throughout his um throughout his career. He's never taken any risks, never taken any risks, but he's believed in himself and got his principles and I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. He's won the most knockout games in the history of English management, I think. And uh, yeah, so I think it's fair to say it's probably apart from Ramsey the greatest English manager there's been, no? Yeah, I, I really think so. I don't think you can easily overstate what Southgate said like I um I find his player selections frustrating. I find his non-tournament mm, England's unbearable mm. to watch and I don't tune into mm. them anymore. Um but he has transformed what was the most poisoned side in international football, I think it's fair to say, into a good team who are, you know, consistently getting into the quarters plus semis um of of, you know, the highest level competitions. Um 
And I tweeted, I tweeted yesterday because they were speaking after the game about how Jude Bellingham um, doesn't carry the weight of the England shirt. And I think that that is less about Bellingham, who, again, I think is absolutely brilliant, and more about a changing culture around mm. the English national team, which you have to credit Southgate to. Again, terrible to watch, <laughs> but, yeah. but a really genuinely incredible football coaching achievement by Southgate, no doubt. Yeah, that's totally right. The England are pretty dire to watch, but there is that way that Ericsson, who is a better manager than, than Southgate ever was, he was he was so obsessed with public perception and what people thought of him that he played Skulls left wing. He mm-hmm. had Gerrard and Lampard, perhaps two of the best midfielders at the time, and he didn't drop one of them and play Carrick alongside him because he was Carrick was the easy one to drop. And he was so obsessed with what people thought about him that um, he kind of followed what the tabloid said. Whereas Southgate, I think he probably understands that no matter what he does, if he wins the World Cup here, he's not going to walk into a club job, which is a really strange place to be at for, for, a, for a manager. If they win the World Cup, who's going to employ him to be their day-to-day manager? So he's just doing what he thinks is right to win these games. And so far, he's he's been proven right the majority of the times. But I still think we need to see what happens now against France when France are going to squeeze him a little bit and they're going to test him a bit more. And so far, whenever he's been truly tested, that's when his his lack of nous has, has let him down. So it's, it's going to be fascinating against France. Yeah, uh, Deschamps is uh, uh, Southgate on steroids kind of thing, and even yeah. more dull, even mm. more effective, even more putting his ideas before the individual players. Um, I, I think that they're actually quite similar teams um, and quite similar managers with similar approaches and a similar general mm. talent level. Um, but France have Mbappe. Um, I also think France is slightly better in defence. I I think Stones and Maguire, when pressed, when squeezed a bit, can 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 give you opportunities, which Senegal had. I think France are a little bit better. Plus, I I really love Teo Hernandez, and yeah, and France have France have Mbappe as well, and um, they have a number nine Giroud, who's 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 doing incredible things for them. I mean, they're definitely better in, in defense. France have ten of the world's top twenty centre backs, right? They're, yeah. they're ridiculous, uh, and they often play them at right back as well for whatever reason. Again, you know that's the that's the Southgate to Champs model. Um, and similarly, we're going to be playing Kyle Walker in his defensive fullback role, where his whole purpose in that game will be to use his recovery pace against Mbappe. But I think we saw in the Senegal game that he is losing that recovery pace finally, and I'm. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, I'm worried about him getting getting toasted. Worried slash excited. <laughs> because... I just want to pick up on a couple of things um, that you, you've said there. I, I mean, I agree with nearly everything that's that's come out of both your mouths. Um, I really liked Bardi's point about Southgate being his own man. I think that's absolutely correct. And I think the selection of yeah. Jordan Henderson, which would have been a pretty unfashionable one in most football circles, was really important for England against Senegal because it allowed England to press and be on the front foot with their pressing, which um, mm-hmm. Nathan mentioned Senegal's pressing, I thought England's was was even better than Senegal. I thought we pressed fantastically, won the ball back really quickly. Um, didn't always do much with it when we won it. That was the that was the downside of the first sort of thirty minutes, as Bardi pointed out. But when we did start to, to find our confidence and we, we got that goal, we were playing some really nice, quick, fluent, forward facing football with Harry Kane very much at the heart of it. I thought Kane was fantastic. They said in commentary that Senegal just can't cope with with Harry Kane's movement. I think it's Lee Dixon said that. You know, it's coming from an ex Arsenal player, and he was absolutely correct. Kane was dropping off. He didn't know whether to follow him into midfield or to allow the midfielders to shield um, Kane, and and he was taking the piss out of them. He was just doing what he wanted pretty much in the second half, and he was fantastic. 
Um, France is a different challenge. And as Bardi points out, we had a couple of moments against Senegal where, and it was Harry Maguire in particular, just sort of either dawdled on the ball or was a little uncertain with um, when to try and win the ball. And you can't do that against Mbappe because you will get exposed and you will concede. So we need we need him to not make any mistakes. And I think that's a big ask for a player who has had a tough last, what, two years now? Um, so I think it's fair to say that France will probably score against us. Having said that, the level of attacking potency that we have on the pitch and on the bench is beyond anything I've seen for England previously, I would say. I think we've got more bench options that can genuinely change up a game than I've ever known. Um, you know, Rashford is in incredible form at the moment and he'll be on the bench probably. Hopefully Sterling will be back. Um, obviously he's had to return home. He's, his family suffered an armed robbery. So he's gone home to try and attend to that and, and make sure they're okay. And hopefully he'll be back for the France game. But, you know, these are genuinely game-changing options we've got available. So I do feel, I do feel sort of, optimistic is probably pushing it, but I feel like we've got a good chance. I feel like we've got as good a chance as France have. I think I think it's a very even encounter. Obviously, Mbappe is incredible. I mean, I, I do think France will give you opportunities. We know what Hugo's like. He's going to have a moment and it's whether or not they can punish them. I expect Kane, I think Kane's probably, God knows how many thousands of goals Kane scored yeah. against Hugo in training. I think Kane will hit, he will hit a few quick shots to, to try and do that. I think England, I mean, I think if England played Argentina, I think England lose. I think if England played Brazil, they lose in Spain. But I think they can beat France. And um, that's, that's, that's kind of what concerns me. That's what's given me sleepless nights. I do think England can beat France. There's just something in that French team that I just think has, has the ability just to, to give up a couple of opportunities. They did it against, they did against Poland, but Poland weren't good enough to, to take it. They had one of the greatest goal-mouth scrambles I've seen mm. at this World Cup. And I do think England takes those chances. It's going to be tight. And I'm curious to see whether Southgate sticks with this team or whether he goes back to um, 5-3-2 and plays Walker, as, plays Walker and Trippier. I don't know. Um, maybe, yeah, we walk from a, dark, a deeper starting position. Could be. Mm. Wouldn't be shocked to see that. Um, definitely be fun for England and Spurs fans, English Spurs fans, fans who support both England and Spurs to be on the other end of pressing <laughs> Hugo Lloris. <laughs> yeah. change. Yeah, put him on his right foot, man yeah. mark the fullback, and he will pass you the ball in front of his goal. So that would be nice for a change. Yeah, talking goalkeepers, I mean, Mendy is is on some funk at the moment. He like he voted one of the best goalkeepers in the world recently. Mm. He really mm. isn't in a good place. And my guy, uh, Simon, had a bit of a mare against um, Japan as well, which people were quite happy to <laughs> at me. I, I think one of those people was Nathan. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Of course. What did you What did you think of Pat Matasar? Nice free kick that went wide, but then you're right. He just did shoot on sight. It was like he was trying to tell Antonio Conte, "Hello, I'm still here." <laughs> yeah, played played more minutes in the the highest mm. level international tournament in the world than uh, than he has for Spurs so far. Yeah, it did feel like he'd been sent on and told just have some shots and try and get us a goal, uh, and and he did that. And he, to be honest. I've seen him have some good shots because Nathan's done some videos of him having good good shots, but uh, his shooting technique left a little to be desired in this game. The the ping, Pat's ping, is is not always yeah. the correct uh, technique. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> um, anything else to add on the England game? Um, Pickford is in a bit of good form, and 
I would. I, 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 one, of, one of the first hills, historically, for those of you that didn't listen to Fighting Cock back in the day, but one of my very first hills was um, Pickford is shit. And I, I still kind of stand by that a little bit, but he's, he's impressing me. Distribution good, shot stopping good. Um, if Everton get relegated, I wouldn't be against us signing him. What is the criteria for the Golden Glove at the World Cup? I, is I it most clean know, sheets? I don't know what specific criteria is. If it's most clean sheets, he's on three. Good going. Pretty good going. Mm. Yeah, he's he's um he's a strange one because he's such a massive character, isn't he, Pickford? But he's only six foot one, and I sometimes wonder if he's slightly too small. But then Hugo's a similar height, I think. I think he's six one, six two. Uh, so maybe it doesn't matter. It just yeah, you know, they're all all uh like over a certain height, obviously yeah. you need to be for a goalkeeper, but the shorter keepers, if they're able to keep the ball out, keep the ball out. Um as we are recording right now, Japan, Croatia's going to penalties. And Ooh. uh Japan have missed Come their first Japan. penalty. <laughs> oh, oh, there you go. The I'm cur- there's the curse. <laughs> Sorry, line. Nathan, I'll, I'll try not to spoil. <laughs> I was sort of waiting for us to be linked with some more players for the World Cup, but things have been a bit quiet on that end. Maybe Perasici's busy with something. I wonder what that could be. Um, so I thought I would start to have a look through my own uh, players that I I think that we should be looking at. Obviously, I do this this spreadsheet um, in which I do a bunch of scouting, and I say, hey, if I was in charge, these are the players I'd be looking at. Here's my my rough list in a rough order. And if I was at Spurs and had any kind of power there, I would be making inquiries about these players and exploring the the options around them and doing other due diligence, due, due yeah, other research on them. <laughs> um, so I started on the playmaker category, which which for Spurs appears to be just players who were direct back up to Kulusevski. Whereas I said, hey. We could go for a play like that, or we could introduce a more creative, deeper player, a, a register, a number six. So I looked at Elise um, as a direct Skulosevsky backup, and I looked at Locatelli as a, a creative number six. Um, and I came away feeling even more positive about both of those players than I already did and eliminated the questions that mm. I had over them. I mean, I, I'm all for Locatelli coming. He's had a he's had a hard time at Juventus, but then who hasn't had a bad time? Then? Yes. Um, 
Kuliseski and Bentancur are two two perfect examples of mm. players who were who were deemed surplus to their requirements and have come to Spurs and been excellent. And Bentancur carried carried that on into the World Cup. He had he had a pretty decent World Cup despite their early exit. So I, I don't think that's something that people can point to say no he's he's no good. I think the form he had for Sassuolo and his his performances at the Euros definitely. If there's an opportunity there to get him, we need to go for that. Is he gettable? Uh, well, this relates to again that later talking point of uh, the Juventus situation. Mm. Do you want to talk me through it? I'm 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 j- I'm just back from okay. Rome, Nathan, so I'm a little out of the loop. Yeah, <laughs> not not Turin. Um, okay, so obviously this is an ongoing legal situation in which not all of the information is available, and I'm not that well read up. But uh, essentially, someone's been cooking Juventus's mm. books for a while. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so this uh, Juve reported massive, massive losses, like like historically enormous losses for an Italian club, and it turns out actually that they're probably their losses are much higher than that, um, which means that one, they're in financial mm. trouble, um, and two, they're in legal trouble for having lied about it. Uh, exactly who is involved, we don't know, but there is, we're pretty sure, I'm, I'm pretty confident, there has been a, a warrant for Paratici's, um arrest so uh the very curious to see how heavily involved it is part of it involves um Cristiano Ronaldo's wages I'm pretty sure um and obviously that is a transfer that Paratici was very heavily involved with he was involved so it's worth going over this again um Paratici was the sort of junior um director of football under Beppe Morata and um Paratici went over Morata's head to Agnelli, the the um what was the word President? I was looking for here? President, yeah. Am I having some <laughs> sort of cognitive issue today? I'm really struggling with words. Um and 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 did the Ronaldo deal, which is obviously a a uh what Agnelli probably thought was a good commercial deal, and maybe it was, but obviously Juventus are in significant financial trouble one way or the other. Um but a pretty poor footballing decision. And so uh Marata left. Um Marata, sorry, Marata left. Um, you know, felt like he'd been usurped, that his his um his authority had been undermined. Uh, so you would imagine, I mean, obviously the investigative forces believe that Paratici is involved pretty heavily and that's why they want to question him. So, um, I mean, I don't know Italian financial law inside out exactly, but um, these are the kinds of things that sometimes people do face prison time for in some countries. And that is the extent mm. of my knowledge. Uh, Worth having a look at Andrea Agnelli's uh, Wikipedia page because you'll see a section on legal issues, um, which probably tells you all you need to know about the man. So he is, I'm pretty sure, a member of the Agnelli family who are like one of the wealthiest forces in the world. They own, what's the name of their company? They're like a... a, Yeah, they started out with Fiat and I think they they own Chrysler now as well, perhaps Jeep, a few others. They're like a a multi-multi-billion dollar Mm -hmm. company and he is, yeah, a force Mm -hmm. within that. Croatia just went through on penalties. They did indeed. Three penalties saved. Impressive. Um, Okay, so so going back to the video, Nathan. Um, Great work. I, I, I'm really interested in Locatelli. I can't believe he's still only 24. That's insane to me. Mm. 
he has um, aesthetically not just in his um, face because <laughs> uh, he has like a very rugged, uh, wizened mm. old man uh, pillow mm. kind of look to suit his pillow playstyle, but also in his playstyle. Um, but he's he's young. He's very young. So anyway, the, the, sorry, the way this links back to um, all of that is is one, Juve are in severe financial, possible legal, possibly sporting um a penalty kind of position where they may need to offload mm. even more of their players, but also they might not want to do business with us and they might not want to do business with Paratici ah, and yes. Paratici might not be able to do any business at all. If he's I see, prison. I see, I see. So a lot of caveats here. One, we don't know that Spurs are even looking for a creative number six. Two, we don't know if yes. uh, Juventus would deal with us. And three, we don't know if we would deal with Juventus. And four, we don't know if we have a director of football in a couple of months' time. <laughs> Let's not bother with doing any more transfer scouting. It seems it seems quite pointless for now. <laughs> Sweet. Um, Elise, I love. I've loved Elise since the first time I've saw him. I think he's a fantastic player. I I'm slightly surprised that he's not been like playing every minute for Palace this year. But I guess in some ways that's probably careful management of a young player. Um, he's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant, and he's going to keep getting better. <laughs> he really is. Yeah, I think, so. I think uh, yeah, he's going to be an absolute star. Um, so for the month of December, we have put the biggest discount you can on annual subscriptions to Patreon. So it's 16% off. So if you're considering signing up for an annual sub, so one year subscription, now's the time to do it. Uh, if you've got Spurs family members who might like extra Spurs content, then consider that as a a gift for them unfortunately you can't actually gift a patron it doesn't allow you to do that but you can have a chat with them and you know say i'd like to get you this can you do it and i'll pay you back or whatever um and and enjoy nathan's fantastic scouting videos which will become a, a regular event now now we're approaching the january transfer window um are you are you taking requests nathan i am open to to ideas and requests people have especially if they're like um because I, I tried asking on Discord. I was like, "Who's you guys want to know more about from my spreadsheet?" And basically, every individual player got mentioned, and very few players got multiple mentions. So there's a very, very uh, uh, mixed interest. Um, so I'm just gonna. I think I'm gonna work through the list and do the first my my top option or my top couple of options um, for different categories. But yeah, I'm I'm definitely open to because obviously. Um, Jonathan Shannon asked me to do a full match analysis rewatch, mm. and that went really well. So um, I can't guarantee I'll do your idea, um, but I'll I'll definitely consider it. And it, and because we have no benefits to the Harry Kane tier still, oh, if yeah. you remember the Harry yeah. Kane tier, you can if you are a member of the Harry Kane tier, you can tell me a topic, and I I nice. will do it. Nice. How's nice. that? Uh, meanwhile, Bardi's been doing the the uh, X sub advent calendar. How are you enjoying that, Bardi? Traditional. Yeah, it's very nice. A little traditional advent calendar. Something will slide into your inbox every day. I'm going through this season. It's the squad number advent calendar. So obviously every day there's a number related to a player. And I'm trying to, um, well, I'm doing players a little bit different. Um, perhaps putting it like um, relating it to something in my life or just picking a player that perhaps people aren't that familiar with. So we, we started out with Eric Torsvet. We've done Stephen Carr because we were talking right backs, Emerson and everything else. We've done Danny Rose just because I thought Danny Rose needed a moment in time. And I can't remember who I did for number four. But anyway, they're, they're coming every day. If you've, if you've missed any, you can catch them all. Lovely stuff. And I am, I've got two things in the offing, two bits of content. Firstly, 
hoping to record finally with Chris Somersell again this week. He's had some hardware issues, but we we think we're back up and running. So I'm looking forward to getting straight off the training awesome. ground, back up and going. And also I am speaking to Alex Stoyle, who is um, a sports psychologist. If you've heard him before on The Extra Inch, he's, he's fantastic. You'll absolutely remember having heard him because he's, he's brilliant at what he does. Um, happy to take any questions from X-Subs for Alex recording on Friday. And I'll put a note on the Patreon as well so people can, can drop their questions in there. Um, but lots happening, lots happening on the Extra Inch Patreon, so do get involved. Um, Blanky says, if Levy came to you and said we need to sign one of these, which would you rather, Franck Kessier or Weston McKinney? Mm. Definitely Kessier to, for me. I'm not a McKinney fan in the slightest. I agree. I, because we were strongly linked to Kessier before, I did end up putting him on my list of uh, midfielders, not because he's especially creative, but because he's a really good press resistor. But now I think that we largely have that with Basuma, who hasn't played that much, who hasn't offered a ton with his press resistance on its own. Um, but but Weston McKinney makes mm. even less sense than that. We just don't, we don't need the no, <laughs> these no, players. That's, that's the reality, isn't it? <laughs> I I thought for a second that Nathan was going to go for McKinney, and I was I was ready to gasp in, in shock. <laughs> Um, on on the on the topic of central midfielders, Arnie says, "Would you take Modric back at this point in time?" Thirty-eight, I, turning thirty-eight. I I I'd take him for the bench for I another year. Would I mean the bench? He's he's absolutely running things for like. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, Real yeah, he, yeah, absolutely, ab- absolutely. But he's not. That's not going to happen forever, is it? Yeah. Play, play him in the Champions League. We could get, he's better than he's better. He's better than our Danish friend. So I, I think we could play him over Hjorbjerg. Give, give. I think Modric would struggle with what Conte would expect from a central midfielder. Uh, but I think he'd be incredible to come on for the last half an hour of games. Hmm. Nathan, uh, we we we've signed enough veterans in this squad. So we've got to we've got to be thinking about the future Fair. a lot more. I feel like. Fair. Uh, Dakota says, love the video from last night. Elise in particular is such an exciting player. It seems like every season we are reliably linked with good young championship players, as a Elise, Bowen, etc., only for them to go to a lower Premier League team, namely Palace. Seeing as our recent signing of this type, Jed Spence, has been relegated to so few minutes, do you think it's justified that the club keep passing on these players as we obviously are not the best club for, for their development right now? Or should we be taking more chances on low-risk, high-reward homegrowns? Well... Um, you need you need a, a synergy between your recruitment and your your head coach, right? So um, we are at a level where um, it is harder for championship stars to break into the starting eleven. Um, whereas you know mid table sides, Palace, Brighton, whatever, are better equipped mm. for that kind of stuff. However, I don't think that <laughs> you can't. <laughs> I don't think that it's impossible. For example. We can see how quickly and how well Elise has stepped up from being a very good championship player to a very good mm-hmm. Premier League player instantly, even though he's young. And yes, he's come into a, a team of a lower level, um, but clearly that is the development that he is going through as a player, right? Um, you can also say similar for mm-hmm. Jude Bellingham, mm-hmm. right? Um and quite possibly it is, will be, could otherwise have been the case for Jed Spence. Um, but if you bring in Antonio Conte, you know that that's, that's not what you're going to get. So, um, right now there's not, there's no point in getting, um, I haven't really followed championship, um, 
there's no point getting <laughs> a, an Olise or a Spence type player or very little point because Conte is just not going to play him, right? Um, we as a club after Conte should be looking for the type of coach who was interested in having one or two players like this in the squad to try mm. to bring through. Um, in the meantime, there's not much point. But I also think um, scout these players in the championship, say, hey, Elise looks really good, Spence looks really good, um, as we clearly do, get linked to them. They move to a, a mid-table Premier League side, a Bundesliga side, or a Liga side, keep watching them. And if they're good after a year, okay, they're going to cost a lot more and there's like a um, an opportunity pricing thing that there's against you. But but that's the time. That's the time to go in for them and it's going to cost a fair bit. But so is everyone you're interested in, right? Um, yeah, <laughs> that, that's just the way it is. And I think that... I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much Elise is going to cost, what Palace are going to want for him. But I think it's worth um, being prepared to put quite a bit of budget his way. Mm-hmm. Liverpool bought Cavalio and they're slowly integrating him into the Harvey Elliott the as well. You know, there's, it's possible to be a big club and still integrate young homegrown talent when it's elite. Um, I mean, I guess the, the point that, that uh, Dakota makes that you know, is it justified that we've passed on these players because we're not the best club for their development? Maybe it's more that we passed them because we didn't think that they were as elite as as we once thought they might be. So, you know, when we started scouting them, we thought they might be incredible. And then as we watched more and more, we decided they weren't incredible. They were just good. Um, I think we've made a mistake on Elise. I think we probably might have made a mistake on Jared Bowen as well. I think he's really good and would certainly be a useful squad option. And I, I and Eze, you know, Eze is a really good player and, and would do a good job for most Premier League teams. And these are players we could have got so cheap as well. That's the other point. Like at the time we were scouting them, they would have been very cheap punts. And you know what? Just loan them out. Like if you don't think they're going to get the development time, loan them out and see what happens like other clubs have done. Um, I do still... Do you think we've been burnt from Jack, Jack Clark? Clark, who's the highest assist maker in the championship this season? That that Jack Clark. Yeah, I think I from from, from wing back. I think Jack Clark is a very good player <laughs> uh, who who we mismanaged in the, his entire time at the club. Um, I don't know why he spent so much time in our under twenty ones. It's absolutely baffling to me. Um, but yeah, like we 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 paid that, we way. paid ten million pounds <laughs> for Jack Clark, or we didn't pay ten million, but we we could have paid £10 million for Jack Clark, which is quite a lot of money. So it could be that body. I think they could be scared off by by that. Um, We've done no, he's gone. Yeah, he's, he's gone. gone, gone. Yeah, he's off our books. We have lost our opportunity to enjoy he's Jack Clark. He's a good player. Um, I think there is still a snobbery towards the championship. And I would say that that extends into football managers, not just fans. I think the championship is, is very good, very competitive. There are some good teams. There are some good players. I think there's a snobbery towards young English players still, which is baffling because you look at the England national team and it's and the squad in particular, and it's full of young English players who are very good. Um, and, and I think that the tide is turning and it will continue to turn. The coaching in this country is is good right now, and we need to start appreciating that. I think there's some real value to be found in hoovering up talent in the championship. And you know, if let's say um, let's say Burnley come back up this season. I could imagine them coming up with uh, a, a young squad they've got already, but hoovering up some young championship talent and doing a really good job on the company in the Premier League. I think that's that's what I would be looking to do if I were a promoted side. Um, I guess in some ways that's what Forrest did with some of their signings. But yeah, I do think there's a snobbery and I think Spurs have, have made some mistakes. But as Nathan points out, with Antonio Conte at the helm, now is not the time for, um, for signing these types of players. 
uh, unless we want to just see the Jed Spence thing happen over and over and over again. Uh, funnily enough, I I got I was said I was in Rome. I've been had a lovely weekend in Rome, which is a wonderful place, and I had a couple of conversations with with like waiting staff about Antonio Conte. Uh, one of them said he's very hard, like Mourinho, which I thought was quite a telling comment. Hmm. Uh, and the, another one said he will stay. He will stay at Spurs for three years maximum. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much what we've been saying since day one, right? Mm. Interesting. Uh, Jonathan brackets McKenny fan. Oh, Jonathan says, "Do you think that Japan <laughs> intentionally only try during the second halves when they bring on Matoma, Asano, and Doan? Is this a good strategy?" I do think it's quite interesting that this World Cup there has been so many second half goals. And Japan kind of going slow first half and then going after teams in the second half. It's basically what Spurs have been doing all season. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know if this is a long-term strategy or just we've been talking about the the impact of the World Cup and and the season. I I don't know, but it it is definitely something that we need to watch and see if it continues to happen. Because traditionally, it was always Liverpool back in the day would come out 100 miles an hour, just destroy teams early. And then kind of hang on to the end, whereas now teams are going slower and then saving all the energy for the end. And I think if we keep getting these eight, nine minutes stoppage time, this might become even more of a strategy going forward. We actually got a tweet from um, Ben Bowman a few days ago who said, did Japan do a Tottenham last night? Slow and pointless for 45, then hit it in mm. the second half. Doana Matoma has fresh legs. Is the schedule so inhumane, so unplayable that teams are not actually playing? Um, and yeah, I mean, I think there is definitely something in this about the schedule and how it's impacting on all teams not just club teams yeah it's almost like back in back in the day f1 was just like you go as slow as possible to keep the tires as fresh as possible so you can go as long as possible so maybe mm. maybe there is something in this um I, obviously i would like us to to have games wrapped up nice and early like england did against senegal so you can just enjoy mm. the rest mm. of the day without being stressed but yeah i mean would you rather score a win in the first 10 minutes or in the last two minutes it's the last two minutes, but more risky, <laughs> significantly more risky. Yeah, yeah. Nathan, do you think there's much in it? Definitely, definitely. I think is is this a good strategy? Yes. Point to to Spurs um, this season, managing fitness, and um, the games are even faster. Uh, the turnaround between games is even shorter um, in in World Cup. And is it a long term strategy? It doesn't matter. It's like a seven game mm. tournament. Or whatever yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, to end, I just want to say, you might remember a few episodes ago, we had a, a section about the basketball, an iconic basketball court, which had become damaged and needed the floor replaced. And I wanted to say a big thank you to the people who listened to this podcast and helped out. Uh, there were several donations, one of which was incredibly significant and uh, made me feel very proud uh, that we were able to sort of unite the right people to make this happen. Really, really appreciated. And Rich, who recorded that section, really appreciates it as well. You have been listening to The Extra Inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barney, and our tactics guy, Nate If you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash The Extra Inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Trayton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at theextrainch.co.uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Sub. We love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. Thank you.